All right, well, grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 10. We are mourning um, to help you understand this passage. If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll know this already, but in Scripture, God offers us by using this illustration repeatedly of the image of a shepherd with his sheep. <clears throat> Most famously, of course, in Psalm 23, where David, inspired by the Spirit, writes this incredible psalm and describes how God, as his shepherd, is him. Well, one of the ways God cared for his people in the Old Testament was supposed to let people know what God was like and lead them to love and to worship God. But all too often what these shepherds, these religious leaders, did was instead of leading they abused they people, they worship God, they extra rules on them that God had not actually given and kind of led them to believe that you've got to obey all these in the Old Testament. We saw a, a glimpse of this in the New Testament last week. If you remember in John chapter 9, this man who'd been born blind and then was healed by Jesus, he now believes in Jesus as the Messiah. And the religious leaders, um, rather than supporting him and his new relationship, one of their rules, they couldn't see that Jesus had performed this miracle proving that he was, you see God saying through the prophet Ezekiel, because my shepherds, my the religious leaders have have misrepresented me and abused the people and misled the people, I'm going to send a perfect shepherd, one that would ultimately be called. And all of this is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is the one true shepherd that led and cared for us in the perfect way that the other shepherds in the past didn't. And so with all that as a background, we're going to read John chapter 10 where it talks about Jesus as this perfect shepherd, as the Messiah. We're going to look at verses 1 through 21 today. They come from Matt Carter's commentary on the Gospel of John, where he lays this out in a, kind of an easy to keep. And so look with me here. It says, I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the voice and come to him, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they from him because they don't know his voice. Now, in Jesus' day, I, I had to research this. I'm not an expert on sheep in Jesus' day and shepherds. But in Jesus' day, often at night, they would bring together multiple flocks and they would put them in one big pen or one big he's right He's there rightfully and he would call his sheep. And this kind of amazed me, but they, they say the shit, this was a familiar image to them. And so he's saying here that Jesus gathers his sheep by coming and speaking to them and that they will recognize his voice and they'll respond by coming to him. And so this is a picture of how Jesus was calling people to salvation in his day, people who called him, his 12 disciples, but then also many other people um, throughout the New Testament. And some of you this morning, you're not yet a believer, you're not yet a Christian, but, but Jesus is speaking to you today, not through my words, but through his word and by his spirit. He's calling you to the relationship with God you are made for. Satan wants as many comforts, as much fame as you can, and, and Jesus this morning is saying, no, 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 you were created for a relationship with God. And even though you're a sinner, his, he's speaking to you and calling you into a relationship with him. And the Bible teaches here and many other places that, that people will hear his voice, they'll recognize it, and they will follow him. That's how he gathers his sheep. When I was a kid, my so that, that was about 60 miles from where I grew up. we go see him every week, and my grandpa had a bunch of birdhouses outside, these big birdhouses high up. I don't know how that works, but I'm telling you, I'm not making up this story. My grandpa would walk outside when I was a kid, 
and there would be birds all over these birdhouses, and he would clap his hands, and he would yell, and the non-Martin birds, the birds who were not Martins, flew away, and the Martins they knew his voice, and they knew that he wanted them there, and they stayed there. They knew to stay there with him. This is showing us here in this image of Jesus as a shepherd. He's coming into this sheepfold, and he's calling his sheep, and his sheep recognize his voice. They listen, and they follow. That's how Jesus gathers us as his disciples. And some of you this morning, he is called sheep. We see this in verses 6 through 10. It says, Those who heard, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. He's referring to a lot of these religious leaders that had misled them. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, but that he is um, also the gate. And it is through Jesus that we, he's kind of reversed the image now, and it's through Jesus that we enter into salvation, into the sheepfold or the pen. And say it's, it's through him that we come in, and it's through him that we are guarded. You see, at night they would close that gate, and it would protect the sheep, would lay down and sleep over the gate entrance that guards my sheep. And there's this image of him laying at the gate. And of course, he's saying he actually is the gate. He's, he's kind of presenting a rich image here. But, but he's saying here that he guards us, that he protects his sheep. Now, the question you kind of naturally ask, what here, specifically, look back at verse 10, and we see what he's talking about. These religious leaders who had misled them and who had actually kind of abused them and, and mis- misrepresented God to them. He's also certainly referring to Satan, who is the ultimate father of lies behind all of this. You see, the religious leaders of that day, killing and stealing and destroying the people's spiritual lives, stealing with God where everything is based on your performance, and the better you keep the rules, the better God loves you. And that's not biblical. That's not the good news of the gospel, but that's what they were being taught. And that will kill you spiritually. It will steal your joy. And that was what was going on. These people were, you washed your hands in a certain way, and, and they were piling all these rules on people, faith. And so they were spiritually killing and stealing and destroying these people's spiritual lives. And Jesus says, I've come to change that. And I will guard my sheep just like a shepherd laying at the gate at night protecting his sheep. I'm going to protect my sheep from these that want to kill steal and destroy about our Heavenly Father, misrepresenting Him. And you know, if you look throughout history and you look throughout the world even now, that continues to be the lie that is told out there. Virtually all world religions and certainly all cults are all based on performance type things. If you look at Islam, if you look at Mormonism, if you look at Jehovah, to have a relationship with God, and Jesus says, no, that's not how it works. That's not the, and so he guards us from these lies about our Father and tells us how we can, by grace, through faith, have a relationship with God. So many religious leaders then and so many still today misrepresent God. They misrepresent our Heavenly Father. I, um, my, my dad, when he was a kid, he and his siblings were given up by their, my dad just never really had a relationship with his mom, and so I had a step-grandmother that I knew, and certainly had a grandma on my mom's side, but my dad's mom, I really only had seen a few times in my whole life. And when my dad, with his mom, she was still alive at the time, and um, in her 90s, and um, after he passed away, my grandma was 
was a bitter woman. I mean, that sounds disrespectful to say about your grandma, but she was. Um, she was a very works-based, you know, I'm working my way to heaven kind of person. And on the, in a phone call, she lived in Florida, in a phone call after my dad had passed away. If you can imagine this, my now, a lot of you know my dad and that kind of stuff, certainly at times when I was a kid, but here's the thing. Even as imperfect as my dad was, I knew that he loved me. I mean, I have no doubt. And so I was able to just say, you know what, that's, <laughs> that's not true, and I'm not going to continue this conversation, not continue with those kind of lies. I was not going to listen to those kind of lies, grandson, that his dad didn't love him. But you know, as, as sad, as pathetic as that sounds, these religious leaders, think about what they were doing. They were looking at all these people and saying, your heavenly father doesn't really love you unless you do this, this, and starting you from those kind of lies. I'm here to tell you, your heavenly father does love you. I love the course of human history by laying down his life and dying for our sins. And that's what we see in these next verses. That's our next point here is Jesus gives his life for his sheep so that there is no doubt that God loves us. Jesus, God himself, God's son, comes and dies for our sins. Look at verse 11. He says, man will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's worked. I know my own sheep, and they know me, just as my father. I have other sheep, too, and that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. There he's referring to the Greeks and the Gentiles. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrificed my life, so I may take it back again. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. He promises to lay down his life for his sheep. He's saying, I'm going, think about this, this is before his crucifixion. He's saying, I'm going to die for those I love. I'm going to die for those in my friends, he's con contrasting this with the hired hands. He's saying, listen, a shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep, but a hired hand will run off when a wolf or a bear shows up. He's saying, these religiously caring for you. They're just, this is just a job to them. And they're even, they're um, abusing their responsibilities. And Jesus is saying, I'm the true shepherd. And I'll prove that by sacrificing my life for you. He was even born, it was prophesied that he indeed would die. It says this, all of us, like sheep, have strayed away. Jesus is fulfilling this prophecy from over 700 years earlier, and a prophecy that goes back much further than that, all the way back to Genesis 3, that he would die for our sins. So God doesn't look at us and say, I'm way up here and you're way down there, and you better be really good and earn your way. I love you enough to send Jesus to die for your sins so you can be forgiven back to a right relationship with God. But I want you to notice something. The good news of the gospel is not just that Jesus died for our sins. Don't miss this. It's not just that he died for our sins, but it's that he then rose again. And he look back at verse 17. He says, for I have the authority to lay it down, talking about his life, when I want, and also the figure died for our sins. Is that Jesus, the Son of God, died for our sins and he rose again. Here before his crucifixion, he says, I'm going to die, and I'm going to raise from the dead. And that's exactly what he did. And I know that's an incredible claim. I know that sounds out actually happened. This is not some legend, some old folklore. Listen, this, there, and he rose from the grave. And that means that today he is our risen shepherd. And he continues to shepherd us. He continues to care for us. 
Now look at the last few verses here we're going to look at today, verses 19 through 21. When he said these things, mind, why listen to a man like that? Others said, this man doesn't sound like a man. John chapter 9, where he healed this man that was born blind, something that had never been done in the history of the world. So they were divided about what they believed about Jesus. And so we begin to rapidly believe about Jesus. Do I believe that he's really the good shepherd who calls me, who lays down his lards me and shepherds me and cares for me? Today, I'm sure there are some of you this morning that have not yet trusted in Jesus for salvation. You believe the lie that you can work your way to heaven, that it's about being a good person, it's just about gospel, that it's salvation. Eternal life is a free gift that Jesus paid for. And today, if you have any questions about that, if you have not yet trusted in Jesus for salvation, I want to encourage you, stay afterwards today and talk with me or my wife, Amy, who's right over here, or we've got a lot of other life group leaders right here. Talk with Justin, Dan, call me, Jason, Lee, and any of these people right up here. But I know there are people here this morning that God is fond when you hear his voice and you'll let him gather you into his flock. But this morning, if you've already believed, I want to encourage you in a few things. I want to just briefly read to you Psalm 23. Now he is your shepherd, and he has gathered you, and he's guarding you. He's given his life for you. I want us to go back and read Psalm 23, and I want you to hear this good news. I want you to be in David's testimony. Listen to what David says. This is true for me and you if we believed in Jesus. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need, for I shall not want. Think about what he's saying. David is saying, because God is my shepherd, I have lies to us and says, no, it's not, Jesus is not enough. God's not enough. It's got to be God plus some possession. But the Bible says, no, God is enough. Jesus is really enough. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I have all that I need. Look at, and then in verse 2, I said, look, but I I didn't ask you to turn there. Let me just read this to you. Verse, when we're tired, Jesus leads us to rest. Don't you? I've told you before, I'm a worrier by nature. I, I rest best when everything is settled in my life. But that's not what he says. It's not what he promises. But he promises that in him, knowing that he's good, that he's great, that he's in control, we can find rest. Just reminding us that in, with Jesus as our shepherd, we don't live lives that honor him, knowing that our purpose is his praise and glory, not our own. Verses 4 and 5 say, even... When I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Now he says, I fear no danger because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, and he says, even in the presence of my enemies, I'll dine with God. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. So when we're afraid, he comforts us with his presence and his promises, even in the darkest valley, even surrounded by our enemies. And then the last verse, verse 6 says, house of the Lord forever. As we follow him, we experience his goodness in heaven. I hope you're encouraged by that today. I hope you believe that and know that. The good news of the gospel and what it means for Jesus to be our shepherd. I want you to you're still there in John chapter 10, just briefly go back and look at verses 3 and 4. By name and leads them out. Once again, if, if you're hearing his voice this morning, let us have that conversation with you, whether it's this morning or sometime this week. Respond to Jesus' voice calling you. 
Look at verse 4. After he had gathered his own flock, after he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his, if we're really a part of his flock, if we're really his sheep, then we will hear his warning is to follow Jesus' voice. Follow Jesus as he leads us. And the number one way, it's not the only way, but the number one way Jesus leads us is through his word. And I want to encourage you to word and walk in his word and follow him through his word, daily reading the Bible. I, I recently heard this illustration in this book of something that I'm, I'm glad I didn't see in person. This author was describing something they saw, I think it was on the Discovery Channel a few years ago. Some of you might have seen this. I don't know how many of you watch these ants as they walked um, through a drought, and they were trying to migrate and get to where there was water. And one of the, the baby elephants got separate to where they would be saved, to where there was water. And it says this baby elephant finds its mom's tracks and starts following them. And at first, as you watch this, you're like, oh, good, the baby elephant has found the tracks and is following its mom. And then it was so tragic, though, because this baby elephant was following its mom's tracks the wrong way. are following the wrong path, the wrong way. Satan lies to you and I through the media, through politics, through other religious leaders. He lies to us in so many ways. Jesus, I'm not saying you can lose your salvation, but away from the direction he would lead us. And his lead talks about this path is leading us the wrong way. Let me ask you this. Are you spending time making a priority to be in God's word, which leads us the right way to be refreshed, to be with Jesus, or are you just filling your mind with junk? Saying I never read a news article or watch a movie, nothing, it's nothing like that. I'm just saying that we have got to, and we need to turn around, and we need to follow Jesus to refreshing, spiritual refreshing. One of the main ways we do that is by getting in his word in daytime to be in God's Word, but there's a reason we repeat that constantly in this church is because it's so important. Some of you, this media, and empty of your Word, and it is stressing me out, and I worry, and I don't worship. God, lead me by your Word to refresh. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for sending Jesus, the good and perfect shepherd, to lay right with you. Father, I pray today for those that you're calling to salvation, that they would trust and believe and follow, and that they would stay after today or t contact us this week and let us help them as they trust the flock. Lord, anywhere today that we are straying away from you, we're ignoring your voice. Lead us to repentance. Lead us to forgiveness, to experience grace to experience the joy of knowing that, Lord, even though we've gone the wrong way, you've been patient with us, you've led us back. Lord, help us to follow you through your word and enjoying your presence, trusting your promises, and being renewed in those follow the path the wrong way, listening to lies from Satan, and experience your presence and refreshing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.